All right, Lady Ada, what is this? Hi, everybody, and welcome to Show and Tell. It's me, Lady Ada, Blinka, and Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. Welcome to Show and Tell. This is the best half an hour on the internet. It's definitely <laughs> the most wholesome. No yeah. anti-fans here. Everybody, here. everybody here is positive, building stuff, Kinda coding, nice. hacking, showing off. It's just like a wonderful, heartwarming place to be. Yeah. Like I said, definitely better than it's like 99% of the It's a internet. safe corner on the internet for now. Yeah. And it's because of all of you. We do this every week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can get the show and tell link in Discord. We post it up right as we go live. You can also watch all the shows on any of the places where we post videos, which is everywhere. And come by. You can show projects. You can show retro stuff. You can show um, places you've been that have something to do with making something that you want to share with the world. First up, Scott, what you got going on this week? Hello. I'm trying out a new camera. Yeah. Do you want me to come okay. back to you? No, no. I think it's, I think it's okay. So... I got this new, this is kind of like my, my desk cam. Um, and I thought it would be great because I have a bunch of projects up here. So the project I'm working on is this. So this is a matrix portal S3 connected to a matrix. Um, but what I've been doing is I've been updating the underlying code that runs on matrix portal. So it works with the ESP IDF 5.1. Um, they did some changes with five and they left the old APIs, but they're a uh, little uh, less reliable, I would say, than the ones in four in four point four. So yeah. I'm updating them to the new ones. And so here you can see I've got my test matrix portal animation going. Um, and I just fixed a bug where um, when you access USB and the flash disappears, it shouldn't crash anymore. Um, hopefully, knock on wood. Um, instead, what it'll do is it'll just pause the update while the flash write is going. And the reason that is is what when you're writing flash the PS RAM becomes inaccessible. And so if you have like your big um, frame buffer from for uh, matrix portal or proto, pro, proto matter in the PS RAM, you can't actually access it. So um, I'd update it if I could, but um, you probably can't. Um, so I've been working on that. Okay, cool. Oh, very cool. I'm glad people are gonna love this because the S3 is a great board. The matrix portal is very popular. S3 is a great board for writing matrices. And of course we wanna update the latest code. We like to stay. Yeah. And S, yeah, I think S3 is my favorite chip that we support right now. Oh, um, I'm okay. also very excited to get around to adding the BLE support. Um, I'm very excited for that. But yeah, the S3 has been uh, really, really good. Um, it's definitely my my favorite of all of them right now. It's, it's it just has it has everything. Yeah, dual oh, core, course. USB, lots of PS RAM. It's one of our new products yep. this week. It's also an S3. Right, Wi-Fi and BLE. Oh my God, it's got everything. It's a wish list from previous. What do people want in Circuit Python? Right. Yeah, like, remember um, before there was like we we're like, oh, we, we wish we could do like Circuit Python with native USB, and then it's like yeah. So and um, now we and now we want two native USB. I know. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Never enough. Um, so one for host, one for device. On Fridays, usually you or Tim, who's actually going to be here on the show, and tell do. Um, deep dive uh, yep. is it going to be one of you this week. I'm hoping to do it, uh, but sure. as folks know, I have a little one in daycare. So um, thanks to Tim for being my backup, even when I have to uh, have to switch out kind of late in the game. So all right. Well, if folks want to learn about the innards of Circuit Python, you can expect some fun on Fridays, yep. whether it be Scott or Tim. Thanks so much yep. for coming, Scott. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, Scott. All right, Liz has a delightful project. Liz, what's going on? Well, speaking of the S3, um, I have a Qualia project. This is uh, one of the bar displays, uh, and it's scrolling some sushis. Mm -hmm. um, so this has been kind of a demo that's uh, been getting pretty popular. And uh, basically, every um, 
as the sushis advance, a new random sushi appears on the belt and they scroll along. Um, so I wrote this in Arduino. Um, I set up uh, platform IO so that it would um, compile nice and speedy for the S3. And I have it working on the very narrow yet long uh, bar display. I have a cutie pie here for scale. Um, and then this is the uh, not as long, but still quite nice uh, 320 by 820 display, which um, if you saw the fireplace project that the Rose Brothers worked on, that's actually the, the case for it, which was very convenient. Mm. Um, so I'm working on the project for this now. I'll have UF2s for these so you can drag and drop for quick sushi rolling action. And uh, hopefully there'll also be a nice little enclosure that's also a sushi. Um, it's a good demo. I, you know, we were we we're talking about this because, you know, a lot of, I've seen many Japanese makers. They seem to like to have scrolling sushi conveyor belts. And I'm yes. like, it's a, it's a hello world for those type of screens. Which is, which is, I'm like, and I'm kind of super, super into it. Um, and so you tried this in CircuitPython, but it actually wasn't fast enough, right? So you're, that's why you're doing Arduino? Yeah, it was a bit slow. And just with, I wanted the art to look really nice because uh, Bruce did a really amazing job. Um, so I was able to get some larger uh, bitmaps with a little bit more uh, higher quality going to Arduino and putting them into memory. Uh, yeah, so. th I mean, it's there's both, right? Like if you want fast, you know, quick development, CircuitPython, Arduino a little bit slower, but you'll be able to really squeeze every um, every cycle, every bit. But it looks really good, and it's got that smooth um, display, like nice work getting that, not no flickering. Thank you. Yeah, it. it was um it was it went a lot smoother than I thought it would. So okay. all right. Thanks a big so success. Much, a sushi success. All right. Next up, and what you got going on this week? Oh, you're on mute, Thank Ooh. you. Um I've been doing all these circuit board projects. Um and this one is a little different in that uh I've uh not just got some LEDs on it uh, or uh, touch sensors. Um, I'm actually putting a microcontroller on the back and little Pico W will be surface mounted on the back of the board. What's it going to do? Well, the theme is rockets and there's going to be some reverse mount LEDs there, uh, NeoPixels, so they could be colorful. And um, um, it's going to go out and find some JSON and see when a rocket's going to launch and then alert you to that, which is very handy here, but also for a lot of people who are into space and, and wanting to know when the launches are going to be. So um, the, the thing I ran into is uh, Adafruit has these lovely reverse mount uh, uh, NeoPixels. I got some from DigiKey because Adafruit is sold out. Um, I relied on um, the part information, I think, on um, that was in KiCad. And the problem was, and here's the, the data sheet, and um, the, the footprint was okay. What I did was I, I added a, uh, a cutout so it could be reverse mounted. It wasn't there. So I, I modified um, the footprint to, to automatically do that. So it put the, the three holes here all nice and neat, and uh, the board manufacturer likes them. Um, the thing was is um, you can see the pinout, and it turns out I didn't check the schematic symbol, which is separate from the footprint, to this data sheet, which is on the Adafruit website. And um, 
it turns out the pin numbering in the schematic symbol was different. So I got these back all nice and neat. I was looking to make them up and it's a good thing to do some electrical tests and check to make sure things are going in the right place. And uh, it seemed like they weren't. So I got a Metro and checked out the wiring and the data sheet is spot on. So I've got a Rev B, which uh, um, puts the pins in the right place. And uh, hopefully in a future show, I'll show you what it actually does. Yeah, it's right. in progress. Uh, ones are really neat. Keep yeah. Going. That's how we learn how to be better engineers. Yeah. All right, thanks, Ann. Thanks, yeah. Ann. All right, next up, JP, what you got going on? Hey, I got some cool um, focus stacking and uh, rack focus wow. stuff going on with the Memento camera. So um, little, little note about this uh, camera. It has a mechanical focus. So that little tiny lens there has an um, electromagnetic voice coil that allows it to move a tiny bit. It's probably about, I don't know, half a millimeter or a millimeter. Um, but that's what allows it to focus that distance between the lens and the, the sensor there. So you can focus on some really, really close objects, or you can go to what's kind of usually called just infinite focus. Um, so a really neat thing, there's a couple really neat things that you can do since we can program the camera. Uh, we can tell it, you know what, don't just like autofocus on the one thing I'm taking a picture of right now. Go ahead and take a picture and then change the focus and take another picture and repeat over and over again. You can do that 30 times, 50 times, 100 times. Uh, we've actually got, I think, 256 steps that we can go uh, with our uh, code that uh, Lamore put into the Pi Camera library. So um, I have, if you can show the um, share the screen there, I have a little uh, oh, yes. sequence here. So this is, um, I forget how many frames I have in this, about 50 frames. So as I scrub this, you're going to see there's a little bit of flashing uh, as, as some lighting stuff changes that we're working on locking. But what you'll notice is that the deep focus is, is what we see right now. So the thing at the far back, the yeah. mini figures. And as I scrub this, we're going to move the uh, guy in the vest into focus, the guy in the red shirt, then the sailor there. I will uh, call this like cinema mode, and you're actually showing how to do this yourself. Yeah, you can do it yourself. And so this is just a stack of images. I'm just, I just took quick time to open the sequence and play it. So there's yeah. nothing fancy here. Um, so this is really neat for a few cinematic effects, uh, especially if you're doing like animated GIFs and things and videos, uh, to be able to just put one subject into focus and then get your attention on a different subject really economically. Uh, this is used a lot in film. Same with uh, another technique uh, that's called a split diopter, which allows us to put two things into focus at the same time that really shouldn't be uh, able to be in focus. And uh, a variation on that is focus stacking, where we say, everything in here, I want to get it into focus, even though that's not possible with this camera, um, but we can do it in software. So I'm going to share a different, uh, I'm going to stop that screen share for a second and start a new one. Uh, let's see. One second here. So this is... Do you want me to add it? Or yeah, go ahead and add that. So this is everything in focus. So that's a series of about, I think I picked about, again, the 50 photos. Uh, and I used some software. Uh, I did it in Photoshop, but you can use uh, some command line software. You can use a website online that will take that. And it's actually a really hard problem to solve. And, and you may just take it for granted, like, yeah, I can see everything. Um, but this is kind of mind blowing that we can take little slices and bits of all of these 50 images and compose it so that we get full focus uh, of every object in the scene, which is 
um, optically not possible, but uh, software lets us do it. So I think really it's, it's like we have a camera that you can program. And, it, and the thing is that, like, by the way, this was not something I knew that we could do, but we had the autofocus module. And I was like, well, I think you, JP and I, like, we were chatting. We're like, well, I wonder if we could, like, you know, there's autofocus, but can we manually focus? And I was like, yeah. I don't know, but let me, like, look around. I found, like, a random-ass Linux driver from, like, some other, like, vision project. And they were like, oh, yeah, here's how you can manually set the voice co coil um, current to change the focus uh, manually. And I was like, neat, okay. let's put it in. And then, you know, it's also cool is you're like, oh, can we update this to do uh, exposure locking? And I'm like, you know, I already added it. Why don't you add that code? So we're actually developing like new camera capabilities on the fly because we can program the whole thing. Whereas like most cameras you get, you're just stuck with whatever the firmware, yeah. the Canon or Nikon uh, firmware developers came up with. So I think it's kind of neat. It's like we're actually starting to do stuff that most cameras can't do. Right. Yeah. For sure, yeah. it's really fun, really exciting. So I like this camera because you get to all the features of cameras are in there, but then you discover them. Like they're there, but it's like it's like mathematics. Like you're, is it, are you inventing it or are you just discovering it? And you're discovering it. it's like oh cool, like this is something that cameras can do, but this is how it actually works. Is like you really can't mess around with your average camera like this. So it's all open source. So go play around with it. Uh, very cool, JP. Awesome stuff. Are you going to be showing this off in your? Yes, I'll be showing this and how I put them together and and uh, sort of the nitty gritty of it and uh, and some theory behind it uh, on the show tomorrow. So come on by and we'll play around with some more cool focus tricks. Very cool. All right, thanks, Chippy. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, Aaron, what you got going on? Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. My computer started playing music, and I'm not sure where it's coming from. So let me see if I can. I like how it's like, oh, you look like you're in a dance party, and when I play dance party, <laughs> well, I am. There we go. Okay, sorry, too many things open. I was trying to play a song because what I am demonstrating today is these LED lanterns, which are behind me, uh, that are sound reactive, and they're listening to the music that's coming out of my computer, but not to my voice. So uh, I was uh, trying to get some music ups here so I could kind of demonstrate this a little bit here. Make sure you don't play it too much, otherwise YouTube is going to take us off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it'll also react to your voice, too, if you can hear okay. uh, as, as you guys talk. There we go. That might be a Yay. better demo. Hello. Hi. Woo. Okay, cool. Right, yeah, so they have some uh, – it's running on WLED on an ESP32 Feather. And uh, the lights, uh, I'm using a layer on top of WLED called LED effects. And the LED effects is a, it's got like a core that's running on my computer and I can hook it up to my computer sound or the microphone or a lot of different types of uh, uh, inputs. And then it runs all kinds of really good uh, sound animation effects. I'm really, uh, I played around with a lot of different sound reactive effects and I've been pretty unhappy with most of them. But um, this one seems to be, I don't know, its it's got some quality effects that I'm really enjoying playing with. Oh, it looks um, really good. Yeah, it does. And it's a cool setup. Um, I, you know, each one is on a connector right now. And so it's just modular. And uh, it, these are just little Chinese lanterns that I got from the Amazon for, you know, a big yeah. pack of 20 of them for $2 or something like that. So it's a really cool, um, it's a really cool setup. Um, I want to... Uh, I want to just kind of see where I can take it and play around with all those sound reactive effects. I've I've really been enjoying uh, this this display as a sound reactive thing. You can mirror it. You can make it go dive back and forth. It's I got. Like it's not, it's not too much. 
You know what I mean? Well, it's like, it's not too much. Like sometimes sound reactive displays, like they take over the room and you're like, it's no, like- No, this it's is diffused. Yeah, yeah, this is really, this is really nice. Someone in the chat said, um, close encounters of the Adafruit kind. So I have to do it. Do, 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 do. Oh yeah, that's nice. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's really nice. All right, so Aaron, where will this live on the Adafruit Learn world or videos? When, when, where can people learn more about this? Uh, I am just starting this project. I just finished the prototype, so I've got a little bit of writing to do. So probably looking in a couple weeks. It's okay. probably going to be up on the on the Learn system. All right, very cool. Thank you so much. This is neat. Nice work, Aaron. All right, next up, Tim. Hope you guys star of Deep Dives. Hello. Good evening. This week, I am working on uh, a kind of all-in-one on-the-go text editor. So this is a Feather uh, RP2040 with the USB host and then plugged into the 3.5-inch Featherwing. Uh, and then it's loaded up with some code that uh, Jeff started and I've built a little bit on top of. So it's kind of small, but what's on there is a list of all the files that are on my CircuitPy uh, device and if we click into one it's going to load up that file for us and what we have is like a really minimal text editor uh, this yeah. file happened to be empty so i can like edit it by you know writing hi show and tell or whatever in here a lot of people don't know this but this is what george r, r. martin writes game of thrones on mm -hmm. <laughs> um, python of thrones my device is in uh, writable mode right now so i can actually save it even with control x um you can switch back and forth between readable and writable mode. So now we edited that file. We could go and see uh, what's inside of it, although I forgot which one it is. Um, the newest thing that I just added to this most recently is the ability to make new files. So Control-N from this screen will ask you for a new file name. Ooh. Uh, we can put showtel.txt or whatever file name we want, and then that will open up an empty file for us to put whatever we want inside of. Um, I'll save this one. So uh, the guide for that is in the works. It's a very basic text editor, but it's really cool that you can do all of this on the go if you have a battery for your Feather, um, or you can power it from your PC however you want. And then all the files are just stored on CircuitPy drive, so you can easily copy those uh, back and forth over to your computer. Uh, and then I wanted to, to leave uh, with one more thing tonight, which I thought was really, really cool that uh, came into the project this week. It was merged in. Uh, for the folks that use IDEs, like PyCharm and VS Code and stuff like that, we gained um, CircuitPython stubs a while back. But this week, what we gained is the ability to have board-specific um, stubs. So usually in the old stubs, the board module, it would just tell you the most basic things like I2C and SPY, uh, and that's pretty much it. But now you can actually set which board oh, you have, and you wow. can have a full list of all of the actual pins. Uh, and if you hover on it, uh, it will give you this nice pop-up with uh, loads of details about like what size NVM is, what board it is, all the built-in modules, all kinds of super cool stuff. So uh, hug report to Justin on uh, GitHub and Discord. Um, he's the one who put the script that puts these sub files together. Uh, and that's merged in now. So the next release of CircuitPython stubs will have that um, and you can set it up to your own specific devices. Okay, cool. Yeah, and this will be a guide. Um, I, I signed this. Uh, yeah, sent this to you a couple weeks ago. I was like, hey, try this out because we had USB host support, and I was like, well, we should do a project with USB host. 
Um, so yeah, it's a little on the go editor. And what's neat is, you know, we might try to get this working on the qualia board that Liz was showing off. So you can have like a really nice big display. It's a round display, maybe e-ink. There's a lot of things that you can do. Yeah. But we're starting yeah. with this because we were like, let's just get something going. And yeah, then, this is cool. You know, we have to keep working on USB host. It's a, it's a new thing in CircuitPython 9. Yep, totally. I love right. how you built the poster. Like this is kind of what's That's right. This is the poster. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Sam. And uh, maybe we'll see you on uh, Deep Dive. But either way, folks, tune in on Fridays, 3 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Um, Eastern. And uh, you might see Tim or Scott. Yep. All right. Thanks so much. Great project. Thanks, yep. Tim. Good night. See ya. All right. Okay. Let's finish off with some let's, microscopy. We got to the big. Now let's look at the micro. Hey, everyone. Hello, hey. what you got this week? Cool, so we are here again at the 5200. Uh, not much has changed with this microscope, but we are now running our new hardware, uh, which is all in kind of one unit. Uh, it was previously, our hardware was this uh, acrylic-based prototype. Uh, this is our V0, uh, and I harvested the cable from it right before we started show and tell, so actually during show and tell, I was attaching the cable still. Uh, so we're not going to have this fit in the shop much longer, so I figured I'd kind of give you a tour more around the microscope than under the microscope. Uh, we still kind of got the same ice 40 under here right now. Uh -huh. So I'm going to take the camera up here. Okay. Oh, I didn't so I'll kind of show you how it here. So we have a Windows NT4 computer that, this, that the microscope control software usually yeah. runs off of. Perfect. Uh, so we, we love, love NT4 so much, right? Um, and uh, you know we can set the high voltage. We can like change the beam current from here. So the Microsoft control computer is still doing a lot. And then we've got our hardware right here. And so we've got two connections to the microscope. Uh, this one is the video signal coming from the detector, and this one is what tells the microscope where to put the beam. Uh, we've got an amazing old industrial PC here uh, that runs the microscope. Uh, this thing has what is it like? I think 15 ISA slots in it or something wow. like that. Nice. Uh, redundant power supplies, you know. Um, you know, it's good because they die really frequently. Uh, the best power supplies don't die frequently is the safe power supplies do. Uh, so this is the back of the control rack here. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of different modules here. So this bit, focus on me, was originally an SEM made by Philips called the XL30. And this control console and that base and that chamber were created for the XL30. And then an American company, FEI, uh, so the XL30 is made by Philips, actually, in the Netherlands. So then FEI came up with the FID problem here, and they made their first FID, the uh, 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 model of it, but uh, they had their own chamber and everything. Well, actually, it was chamber from an American company. And then so FEI and Philips got together, so they took an FEI FID, they put it on here, they hacked a bunch of racks in, so like, I don't know, four of these boards are FEI boards, a bunch of these are boards made for TEM in the 90s that have been used by the XL30. So this thing's just kind of a, uh, an interesting example of extensive reuse in, uh, corporate microscope development. Uh, and then we've got the kind of power supply rack here. Uh, this doesn't have very much in it because this uh, FID doesn't do very much. It's only a FID if it were a dual beam with a FID column and a SEM column. There'd be way more going on here. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of a short run around the microscope. Wait, and by the way, where are you? Uh, we are in our new workshop, actually. OK, uh, so, work I don't know if you were like at yes. a university or at your own. No, this is, this is our workshop. Uh, I can kind of give you a little tour of that. So we got a 5200 right here. Uh, let me know if you can't hear me anymore. Uh, 
and then we've got a, a drill 6400 SCM right here. Uh, and then we've got a C320F, so this one's a focal emission. So this one will just have like a consumption filament in the top, a little hairpin filament. Uh, this one, it was under radar recently, but it's under the underneath here, we've got like a comically um, sharp tip, we extract the electrons from, but uh, it's pretty similar. Uh, yeah, and then uh, kind of the front area up there, over there some other time. Uh, and then we kind of got our storage in the back here. And yeah, well organized. That's the shop. It's a really, uh, yeah, I was like, this is a very beautiful, well organized, very well lit workshop. Yeah. Some people collect, okay, I'll, I'll, but you collect uh, you scanning know, microscopes, scanning yeah, microscopes cool. and yeah. family members thereof. All right, we're starting to develop with them. I'll, I'll give you a peek next door. So, this building was previously a science museum. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, the uh, the person who owned that has unfortunately passed away. Uh, he was I think a hundred, so he, he wow. was in for a while. Uh, so we uh, released the building now. Uh, it's you know kind of going to continue what was going on with it. Yeah. Get a the science of these microscopes with everyone and have a good time doing it. So uh, we're hoping to do more live streams. Uh, the room I didn't show you up front is actually the studio, so we've got like acoustic dampening and stuff up there yeah. and. Uh, yeah, and we're right here in downtown Portland, uh, just off of uh, Northwest 23rd. So it's uh, kind of a weird area in town for a microscope shop. Uh, there's like a, a lot of retail. Uh, there's like uh, crystal healing vendors, you know. Yeah, um, crystal but, healing. Uh, and then, you know, you, you, you walk by the Mexican restaurant and then here's the microscope shop. So that's right. Uh, it's probably kind of a similar experience to what you guys all have in uh, New York, you know, being uh, in the government <laughs> district there, electronics manufacturing. Baker, Baker, tidy microscope. Maker. Amethyst. Yeah. Very cool. Well, exactly. It is neat that we're we're using crystals for you know almost magical yes. uses. There's crystals. In right. Crystals. Yeah. There's there's definitely crystals in this microscope. So yeah. Yeah. Lots yeah. of crystals. All right. Well, thank you so much. Keep coming back. This is one of the show favorites. So look, folks love seeing all this stuff. So thank you so much for yeah. coming back once again. Thank you. See you guys again. Of all right. Course. I'll see you later. Keep on scanning. <laughs> all right. That's our show this week. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, I really like the microscopes. Yeah. Uh, that was neat to get a tour too. But it's cool. Uh, it's like we haven't seen them in a few years, so it was like great to see, like, yeah, you know, they're still doing it. All right, so we'll see everybody next week, seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. Come by, show your microscope store, show your sushi conveyor belt, your tiny um, micro keyboard device, whatever it is. Come on by your rocket ship PCBs, your DIY photography. Um, your latest updates with CircuitPython and more, all of that and more Cyberdex. in Show and Tell. We'll see everybody on Ask an Engineer in a few minutes. Thanks so much. Bye.